0: Bibles to Jeremiah. In the book of Jeremiah, we look at verse 9, I mean, uh, chapter 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. In this section of Scripture, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Is urging the people of God to turn from their sins and back to God. All through Jeremiah, he talks about the backsliding people of God and how they need to t- turn, return, and turn back to God. We need that individually, don't we? Is there anyone who does not need revival? Is there anyone who does not need to be restored? We all do. I do. We're not a finished product yet. We've been saved, declared righteous. We are being saved, sanctified, and we shall be saved. We talked about it while we sang about it in the song. We're going to be saved. God's going to finish what he starts in us. Amen. But we got all this junk and all this garbage, all this nonsense in our individual lives, in our churches, in our, our, our state, our nation, our world. And none of us have a right to be the, the final judge on anybody. Amen? None of us, no matter who they are. God has the final say in our lives. So we need to hear what God has to say through the prophet. Amen? Amen. And if a shoe fits me, I need to wear it. But guess what? I'm just a messenger boy. You can't get mad at me for what God is saying through his word. Amen? Amen. So let's... Uh, uh, Let's consider this text. Uh, To whom is it written? It's written to Judah, uh, the southern kingdom, and its capital city uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, And by the way, by human standards, the prophet Jeremiah was an absolute, complete failure. By human standards. All right, let's pray. Father God, help us. And our understanding of your word. Teach us through your spirit. Forgive us wherein we fail. Lord, uh, challenge our hearts. Lord, may we get real. May we get honest. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The message is when you're ready to quit. One cannot read the story of the book of uh, Jeremiah, or the life of Jeremiah and and the prophetic uh, things that he was saying uh, in that day and time without realizing that life was not a bouquet of roses for this prophet of old. From his call in the year 626 B.C. to the fall of his beloved Jerusalem in the year 586 B.C., this prophet from Anathoth, moved in the tragic circumstances of a rather lonely life. Everybody was against him. Nobody was on his side. Everybody, his so-called friends, his family, the the leaders, the uh, the religious people, everybody. the, The whole world seemed to be against Jeremiah. And his task was to call the people to repentance. Hey, it's hard enough when people are for you and they love you and they appreciate you as a preacher, and 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 they're willing to hear it. Uh, it's still tough to preach on repentance. Amen. But when everybody's against you, when 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 everybody is blaming Jeremiah and and criticizing Jeremiah and and wanting to kill Jeremiah. And all he's doing is sharing, thus saith the Lord. As he carried out his task, he found himself alienated, as I said, from his friends, antagonized by his enemies and afflicted by the hostility of the people. Why in the world would you continue? Man, that would make me want to just hightail it out of town, amen? (laughs) Would you want to stay? Nobody supported you. Our text describes a time when all by the opposition and defeated by utter discouragement, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, no one cried more and wept over the situation of God's people than Jeremiah did. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible, by the way but he came to that place where he did want to quit he wanted to abandon his god-given task and 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 instead settle for a life of seclusion he wanted to retire completely this is what the text says uh, oh he said that i had a deserts uh, i had in a desert a wayfarer's lodging place or uh, in other words that was a uh wayside shack in the desert. How many times have you ever wanted to just go and and just uh, uh, build you a little shack out in the desert uh, away from everybody? Goes on to say that I might leave my people and go away from them. Perhaps no other verse in the book gives us such an open window into the soul of this great prophet. You see, Jeremiah felt conflicting emotions toward his people, his own people. He was angered because of their sin, but at the same time, he had compassion for them. Can you be angry at someone and still love them? Can you be angry at their sin? In fact, we should never be angry in, at anyone. We should not hate anyone. Now, we can be upset with someone's behavior and, and the way they act, but we if we're Christians, if we're children of God, we have to love people. Yeah. If you don't love people, then you don't love God. If you hate any human being, you need to do a spiritual inventory of your own life and, and 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 determine whether who do you really belong to? Because the world, the devil's crowd, they hate, and they hate people. You can't hate people. Now there's certain things that we all uh, are against, and, and and people that do stupid things, but we do stupid things too. But 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 for the grace of God, there go any of us. Amen. So before we condemn others, we need we need to be very careful to pull that crossbeam, that railroad tie, out of our own eyes. And spend instead of that little splinter in someone else's eyes, oh, we make that splinter real big, don't we? Because we're we're looking at everybody else by our own standard. When we compare ourselves to our standard, we look better than a lot of people. We're better than a lot of people. But when we look at God's holy standard, none of us are good. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Folks, if we're going to heaven, it's not because of anything good and worthwhile about us. We don't have any righteousness. If we're going to heaven, beloved, it's because we know Jesus and his righteousness and listen, if we're and, and before we condemn uh, all these people, and Jeremiah wasn't condemning them. He was he was preaching what God had laid on his heart regarding the condition they were in. They were on dangerous ground and God was very well uh, uh, about to destroy them and kill them, and God can do that. There are a lot of Christians who are out of the will of God, who rebelled against God, who would not do the things of God. They're saved so as by fire, not because they barely escaped hell. That's not what that means. It means that all their good works and rewards that they would have accumulated and otherwise laid at Jesus' feet, they're, they're burned up in judgment. So Jeremiah's warning the people. But he's warning us too. Isn't this verse also a window into our own soul? Is there anything, listen to me, this is very important. If there's any, Is there anything which decays our stability, destroys our productivity, and diffuses our ability like discouragement? How often we find ourselves like Jeremiah of old in Jeremiah's shoes. We're confronted by a great enemy, and listen, he had the same many we we have. He had the devil to contend with. He had the the evil world philosophy. He had the 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 sin nature to contend with. But so do we. Glenda just remind me I didn't read the text. <laughs> Did I tell you what chapter we were in? Okay. Okay. Look at verses 1 and 2. You just have to sometimes just speak it out. You can't spell it out for me because I, I don't get it. Oh, that my head were, uh, were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night. Remember, he's a weeping prophet. For the slain of the daughter of my people, all that I had a desert had in the desert, a wayfarer's lodging place that I might leave my people and go from them, for all of them are adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. Wow, that's strong language, isn't it? So, how often do we feel like Jeremiah overcome by all of this negativity, all this discouragement, nothing's going right, nothing's happening. Everybody seems to be uh, turning from God and not serving God. So how often, like Jeremiah, we want to just escape away into the desert to a wayfarer's lodging? To just just build us a little shack out in the middle of the, uh, the Arizona desert, uh, 150, 200 miles from anybody? Just leave me alone. You ever feel that way? So discouragement faces us almost every day as we carry out the Lord's work, and when we should keep on going, we ask ourselves, "Why can't I just rather settle for a wayfarer's lodging? Why can't I just get away from it all and and just isolate myself and do my own thing, Lord?" The first reason we can't is because of the challenge within. That's right. We can't quit because of the challenge within us. We cannot settle for a wayfarer's lodging because of the inner call of God. Jeremiah was a man with a challenge. And listen, beloved, from his earliest days when his father had carried out the priestly functions at Anathoth, Jeremiah had that close communion, that close fellowship with God Almighty. Have you ever been so close to God and fellowship with God that that hey, you couldn't wait to tell the first person you saw, you couldn't wait to talk to them about what God was doing in your midst? If you've never had those experiences, then I, I you know, I challenge you. you, you You've got to get into the Word more and talk to the Lord more because I've had those. When I got saved, I couldn't stand it until I went to my older brother Mark and I said, Listen, let me tell you what Jesus just did in my life. He saved me from a devil's hell. He's set my feet on solid ground. He's given me a purpose to live my life. And next to my own salvation, and and the the marriage of my wife and the birth of my children, you know, uh, seeing the Lord change my brother's life was the greatest thing in the world. In fact, that's probably uh, uh, that's probably should be the most important thing in our lives. Not that we don't love our wife and our children and other people, but seeing someone saved ought to be the happiest moment of our lives. West Acres Baptist Church, the challenge is, you know, to see people in this community come to saving knowledge and see these pews filled up to capacity, see the house of God full of people would be a challenge. And it is a challenge, so we don't need to quit. So the challenge... Uh, is planted deep within the heart of Jeremiah. And out of that experience, out of that communion with God, it's explained in verses 4 and 5 of Jeremiah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, this is talking about Jeremiah, before I even formed you in the womb, God says to him, I knew you. And before you were even born, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to all the nations. Now that speaks volume. You know what that means? Child of God. You say, oh, that's just for Jeremiah. No, it isn't. That's a challenge to me. That's a challenge to Glenda. That's a challenge to every one of you. Are you listening carefully? That's a challenge to go out into the highways and byways of your world—that's to go out in your own Jerusalem. How many people are around here? And you say, well, "Yeah, but they're not our kind of people." They're, where's the Bible teach that? Oh, oh they're—you they're, know—they're too rich; they won't come here. They're too poor; they won't come here. They're—they're they're black; they won't come here. And. And, 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 and we, better, we better look at people as people not because of the color of their skin or the status of their lives. We ought to look at the neighborhood around us and say, this is my field of service. Amen. And I'm going to reach them for Jesus. Amen. How many hay burns have I seen in my lifetime? I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. You, you, you know I'm a straight shooter. Amen. I'm not going to tell you something that uh, I'm making up. It's how I, I, it's my conviction. And I'm not going to mince any words with anybody. My, I, I wouldn't mince words with my own mama and daddy, and I respect them more than you can imagine. My dad's in heaven. But let me tell you something. I've seen more people who forgot what their mission was. They forgot what their purpose was. They forgot what their field of service was. They forgot there were people within the, the sound of the bells of, 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 the, of the church ringing out, in the shadow of the steeple, they were dying and they were perishing, and all the while we're saying, they know where we are. They won't know unless you go. When's the last time we invited someone to church in this community? Oh, I've, I've heard it for four. I've been in ministry. Listen, I've been in ministry for 40. I started preaching when I was 16. I took a break because I was out of the will of God, running from God. But 40 plus years, 43, 44 years, something like that, 46, 47, whatever it was, 47, and time and time again. I've talked to people about how come this church building is in, in in disrepair, and the building's not the church, but it's stuffed full of hay bales, or it's crumb, uh, you know, the roof is caving in, and, and and they say, oh, they haven't had church in 50 years, or are they just shut down? And 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 I wonder, they forgot what their business was. That's going to happen to all the churches in the Delta if we don't wake up. Now I'm not telling you something I wouldn't tell Helena First Baptist or I wouldn't tell uh, Second Baptist uh, in town or both Second Baptists because we have two Second Baptists and they're both members of our association, one's black, one's white. I'd tell that to Turner. I'd tell that to Elaine. Elaine Baptist Church. I'd tell it to Lexa. But Lexa, hey, the Lexa's reaching their community. And here's the thing: the challenge is further defined in verses nine and ten, where Jeremiah was a man with with a challenge. And although Jeremiah, Jeremiah felt inadequate to the task, listen, that's a lot of the problem. We say, well, I just don't know what to do. I don't feel adequate. You tell what you know about Jesus. Amen? Amen. You know, a lot of times people will say, well, I didn't know I had a need. Well, we got to tell them they have a need. Amen? You can't be saved until you know you're lost. And if we don't go out into our highways and byways of this world, in our communities, in our county, in our nation, in this world, and tell people that there's a heaven to gain because of the personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and there's a devil's hell to shun, they're going to say, Lord, nobody told me. They'll cry out in hell, Lord, no one told me. Give me another chance. When all the while, we as God's people were supposed to be about the work of the ministry, reaching people and equipping them to reach more people and equipping them to reach more people. Jeremiah came to the place where even though it seemed hopeless, yeah, you talk about hopeless, folks. We've got you're, you've got you've got hope. Yeah. These other churches in our association have hope, don't they? As long as you have people coming, you have some hope. You just need to find the right direction to to go in order to get better. Amen. You can't do business as usual. Uh-huh. Jeremiah didn't have he didn't have any support. He was a one-man band, but he didn't quit. But if I say I will not remember him or speak any more of his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. Listen, if there is any phrase which characterizes the, the Christian life, it's this passage in Jeremiah 29, but it's also found... In in the New Testament concerning all of God's people who should be on mission, folks, this is not this building is not the church, and that's another reason why churches are becoming hay barns is because we've pulled inward. We haven't considered what needs to be done if we get our hearts right with God then we're going to leave this building because that's all it is. You are the church. And the Bible says if my people, the church, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel To every creature. He's not talking about cats and dogs. He's talking about people. The created crown of glory. God's crowning jewel of creation is you. And you've been restored. Amen. Because you know Jesus. But there are countless multitudes of people. Even as I'm restored preaching this morning there are people who are dying right here in Helena and West Helena and no one has gone to them and shared the good news that Jesus can save them folks that's it l- the least we can do is get people is get people under the message of the gospel let all the other uh, uh, you know details work themselves out where they go to church and where they join and where they serve and all that. Get them saved. A gray-haired Sunday school teacher years ago became ill. He was uh, an older man. He had been a faithful Sunday school teacher, but he was dying. doctor said, you don't have but a short time to live. Sort of like one of our pastors down the road here, he's dying. When the pastor visited him, the dear, sainted man of God said, Pastor, do you know what I'd like to do more than anything else in the world? I'd like to go back and teach my men's Bible class just one more time and challenge those people in my class to not sit on what they possess but to take it out into the world and let their light shine. Not to hide it under a bushel like so many are guilty of, but to let their light shine. To not only live the life, but talk the talk and walk the walk in front of countless multitudes of people. Lord, I'd like to do that. I want to tell them that not only is Jesus a wonderful Savior to live by, but He's a wonderful Savior to die by. So our challenge is to proclaim that message to the world regardless of how people respond. That's another reason we want to quit. We want a wayfarer's lodging. We just want to escape into the desert in a little old cabin, a little old shack and, and, and not be bothered by the cares of the world and just resign spiritually because nobody's responding. You know, the Bible promises that there's some measure of success when you obey the Lord. Folks, I promise you, I've, I've been in ministry too long to tell you otherwise. Everywhere I ever served, the churches grew. Not because of anything good about me. Not because of my preaching. Not because of my teaching. Not because of, uh, of my personality, which some people liked it and some people hated me. <laughs> hey, yeah, I'm going to please everybody. Amen. I, I You know, hey. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God, and I'm going to be kind as much as I can in the process. You either like me or you don't. I'm a straight shooter, remember? But when you go out and faithfully do what God has called you to do, if you're not settled for a wayfarer's lodging, you just want to quit, you just want to cease to exist... Or you just want to do business as usual. You can't do business as usual in the kingdom. Amen? But when you do it God's way, He promises success. saying I'm not trying to say that hey if, if if we really got on fire for the Lord and we got excited about the things of God and we did and we, and we and we and we and we started doing some things that we've quit doing because there's you we say oh there's no point there's only eight of us here what did Jesus do with with uh 11 uh, well he had 12 uh, disciples apostles but one was of the devil one never was saved amen But what he did really with 11 who were saved, he turned the whole known world upside down. With 11 people who are no different than you or any other church in this this state or this country or this world. Hey, we just turned Phillips County upside down. Don't say it won't happen we got to quit settling for a wayfarer's lodging out in the desert somewhere and get busy about doing the lord's work regardless of how people respond forget that don't worry about that just be faithful you're going to have more people turn you down and say i don't want to have anything to do with that hey sometimes you may talk to 30 people and no one will respond, but that 31st person, are you listening? That 31st person will respond, but if we don't do anything but business as usual, we're going to die and become a Remember, I'm not picking on, I'm, this is the same message, if I was preaching any other church in this association, this is the same exact thing I would tell them. You know I would, Amen. Regardless of the hostility, the indifference you encounter, regardless of the lack of understanding, we cannot quit and settle for a wayfarer's resting place because that challenge is literally burning in our hearts and we cannot escape it. We can't quit because of the challenge within. We can't quit also because of the challenge without. Listen, these people... They didn't care. And they thought Jeremiah was just a big fool. But he didn't quit, did he? Jeremiah didn't quit. He kept on preaching for years and years. Not one single convert. Not one single person turned back to God for years and years. Can you imagine? Boy, uh, most of us, we'd just shut the doors, padlock it, and... And or or we'd sell it, uh, you know, give the money to an, a, another Christian organization because you can't keep it if you so, if you sold everything you can't keep it and divide it. It's against the law. You'd have to give it to another church or an association or or some ministry, uh, nonprofit ministry because you're a nonprofit organization. See, a lot of people think, well, we just sell it and divide it. You can't do that legally. But there's no reason to do that. We had one church. We've already had one church in the last year and a half shut their doors because they settled for a wayfarer's lodging. God, help us, does that not break someone's heart? For a year and a half, I've grieved over that fact. We can't quit because of the need without. Before you give up and find a wayfarer's resting place, ask yourself the question, if we don't do something about the need, who will? Jesus described the compelling impetus of the need Around us in the story of the shepherd and his sheep in Luke chapter 15, and in its context, you know, it's, there's three parables there: the parable of the, of the, uh, there's the parable of the, uh, uh, the the sheep and the coin and and the uh, the prodigal son. The first two are not talking about lost and dying people going to hell because they don't know Jesus, and the and the and Luke 15, the prodigal son, talk about backslidden believers. They talking about. The major theme is the lostness of man and the sovereignty of God, able to save those who are lost. Yes. Now, sometimes we make the application that Luke 15, when uh, you know when that uh, the son, the prodigal son, you know went wayward and and and, but that's really a picture of a lost humanity, not backslidden Christians. And the and the, Luke 15 tells us in the, in the context. of, at evening when the shepherd counted his sheep, 99 were safe in the pen. As you say, well, that's pretty good percentage, 99. 99. 99% is not bad. However, the shepherd was not concerned about percentages. Well, actually, I got this. This this is really talking about uh, more than just, you know, the lost sheep, the lost coin and, and uh and 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 so forth is talking about people. It's not just talking about something, you know, we say, well that's that doesn't even apply to me. It's talking about people. So he went out and immediately searched and diligently he found that one lost sheep. One lost sheep. Do we care about that one lost sheep? There may be 99 who, who refuse to come to Jesus, but that one lost sheep is waiting for someone who will not settle for a wayfarer's lodging, but will come to Jesus only if we go put legs to our prayers and legs to our words and be obedient and go out into our community and reach that person for Jesus. And then finally, we cannot quit because of the need within and the need without. But we can't quit because we have an answer for the need. We can't settle for a wayfarer's resting place or lodging place. We can't settle for that shack out in the desert where we're not bothered by anybody. We don't have any responsibility. We can just do whatever we please. We can't do it. Because Jesus Christ is the answer and every spiritual need can be met by this one I'm referring to who is the bread of life. He's the water. uh, He's the living water. He's the great I am. He's Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one who can give us hope. Years ago in closing, let me share this. Years ago. The Baton Rouge Gideon Camp, oh this was at least 40, 45 years ago, they sponsored the Gideon Camp there in Baton Rouge, sponsored a Gideon Day at the infamous Angola Penitentiary. If you know anything about that uh, pen, it was bad, I mean they were full of bad people. But the Gideon camp, they, you know, they pass out Bibles in Jesus' name. Irregardless of who they are, they take it to all the, all the people of the world and here and everywhere. They used to put them in the schools and all that. But anyway, I don't know if they do now. But they took these Bibles to the prison cells of the prisoners to tell them about the love of God. And one of the Gideons, his name was Luther. When Luther walked into Charlie Fraser's cell, now you have you'd have to do some background study on Charlie Fraser. Charlie Fraser was as bad as bad can be. In fact, he'd served in solitary confinement for 12 years to this point. But Luther, a godly Christian man who was a Gideon, he went there and he started to talk to Fraser, to Charlie Fraser. Fraser immediately threatened him, threatened to hurt him, and threatened and cussed him, and said, I don't want anything about your blankety blank, you know, nonsense and mess. You know, you get close enough to me, I'll, I'll hurt you. He didn't want to talk to anybody, he didn't want to talk about God, and he ordered this Christian man, Luther, out of his cell. And he said, This bad, bad prisoner, Charlie Fraser said, You religious people come down and you talk about the love of God. It's so easy for you. Just get out. Luther put his hand, Luther walked over and put his hand on Frazier's shoulder. He wasn't scared. And he looked up, because he the guy was big. He looked up into his eyes. And he said, fellow, I just want to tell you that I do love you. Frazier again ordered him out of his cell. And as Luther left, he laid a Gideon Bible on the man's bunk. And he said, this is the word of God. I hope you will read it. A few days later, but Gideon Luther received a phone call from the chaplain there at the Angola Penitentiary in Louisiana, and he informed Luther that Charlie Frazier was different. Something was different about this notorious criminal who, uh, who was, you know, bad to the bone. He had trusted Jesus, he read the word. And the Spirit of God went to work and His vow corrupt. Depraved heart and soul. And he breathed into that dead man. That dead spiritually uh, wicked hell bound man's heart. He breathed into him the life. The breath of life. The spirit of life. And he became a brand new person. No longer dead in trespasses and sins. No longer desiring to do the things of the world and of the devil. But now a child in Christ. It's different. Amen. And the chaplain said, you've got to come down here. Well, he went down there and visited with him again, and he was a different person. All because one man would not settle for a wayfarer's launching. That Gideon was bound and determined; he was going to reach that man. He got saved. He became the superintendent, Sunday school superintendent, over all the prisoners. This wicked vile man, now saved. Not long after, he he, the prisoner Fraser, was stricken with cancer, and he died. But it said that he had influenced and led many of those prisoners, many on death row, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know some people say, "Ah, they, they just prayed in order to have a life insurance policy to get them out of hell. We don't know that. Some did, but some probably didn't. Hey, we're not the final judge. Amen? Who are we to judge that? The result is... The proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Oh, taste and see how good the Lord is. See, we know we know that Fraser got saved, Luther Fraser got saved, or Charlie Fraser rather, got saved because he was a changed man. When he died, his obituary was put in the New Orleans paper. And the Louisiana Attorney General at that time was quoted as saying in that article in the paper, we don't know what changed Frazier all, oh, but Luther knew, the Gideon knew, Jesus knew, God knew. And all those who were influenced and led to the Lord by that notorious, that once notorious now child of God who's now in the presence of the Lord, they, they all knew what happened because they too experienced it. Oh, but he was a notorious criminal. He killed several guards in attempting to escape over the many years he was in the pen. But he was a brand new man. And the article went on to say, I don't know what came over him, but whatever it was, it changed his life. We know the answer. We don't quit. We don't settle for a wayfarer's lodging, beloved. We don't throw in the towel. We never, never give up. We stop doing stuff that doesn't work. We stop doing business as usual. And we start refocusing on what is it going to take to reach our community, our world for Jesus. And then do it. Jesus Christ is the answer to man's deepest needs. That's why we must never 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 quit. Amen. Father God, have your sweet way in our lives as we stand. We just have a moment of commitment time, Lord, as we stand and 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 uh, Lord, uh, Lord, I pray that you just speak to our hearts. If someone needs to come to the altar and pray, they need to talk to me, whatever it is. Just have this time of commitment. Lord, you move in hearts and lives. Move in my heart. Speak to me. Lord, I, I'm ignorant. I'm stupid. I'm inept. I'm, I'm undone. I, Lord, I don't have any answers. Only, Only you, God, through your word and through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, Can you help us? In Jesus' name, amen.